So we made it down to Bible believing. Bible believing. And so last time we covered Psalm 12, 6, and 7. Uh, and uh, we looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15 to 17, uh, which is talking about the Scriptures. And then, uh, which is Bible believing, meaning that uh, as, a, as a new believer, we believe in the final authority of the Word of God, the written Word of God. And we discussed with you last time how, this is just by way of review to catch you up. Some of you may just be joining us. Uh, we talked about how the written Word of God uh, is a small W when you spell that out, and a, the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, is a capital W, O-R-D. Amen? And so just uh, by, by way of remembrance, let's turn over to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. 1 John 5, 13. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, I'll give you a second to get there. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. This tells us for the importance, this is reminding you the importance of the written word of God. Verse 13, 1 John 5, 13. These things right here, amen. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know, so you can know, amen? It's written so that you can know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Uh, you know what you find, uh, just mentioning that, that this Bible was written so that we could know some things. You want to find a, uh, a place, uh, a religion that doesn't pray that doesn't use their bible that doesn't uh take their bible to church with them and they say oh they'll put it up on the screen or uh the priest will tell it to us or something like that you find a place like that and you say what do you what will happen you'll find a bunch of ignorant individuals and i say that respectfully and as respectfully as possible uh, some don't don't mean to be ignorant and that's not an an insult uh, the Bible says the Apostle Paul spoke many times and he said, I would not have ye to be ignorant brethren. And so he doesn't, he doesn't want those ones to be bre those brethren to be ignorant. He doesn't want those ones to uh, be in that way. So we want to be careful. Uh, you, it, when you go to a place like that or you're from a church like that, you say, what happens? Uh, whether it's, it's um, uh, Catholic or Orthodox or um, just go down the list. You say, what happens there? You don't see people with Bibles tucked under their arms. And so what happens? They don't know a lot of things. You talk to them and you say, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Most of them will be frank and tell you, uh, no one can know. Well, they're saying that in opposition to what the Bible says. The Bible says, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. So the, the written Word of God is very, very important. Amen? Don't forget that. Don't let anybody take it away from you or take it out of your hand. The written Word of God is very important. Now, as a local congregation, as, um, as what we call ourselves Bible believers, we stand on the fact and we believe that the written Word of God is infallible and inerrant in every single word. Amen? We believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation Exact, and God gave us exactly what He wanted us to have uh, and, and gave us exactly what He said without error, without contradiction. Amen? 
Now we looked last time at some verses in uh, Psalm 19 and verse 9, uh, Psalm 119, verse 140, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. And we looked at those and how that God doesn't contradict his word and that they're pure. And uh, how the Lord used men to preserve uh, his word and God used, um, he inspired his word and he, uh, those men wrote it down and God inspired it. Amen. And so we, uh, we understood those things. We looked at them last time, how the Lord is, his word is forever settled in heaven. So it's, that's a forever book. And so we need to understand this issue. You say, why? Because the Word of God, and this is where we left off last time we'll pick up, is necessary for some things. And the first thing we look at, look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter number 1. So go back from 1 John. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 23. You say, what is the Word of God necessary for? The first thing it's necessary for is salvation. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. The Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You say, what do we need the Word of God for? We need it for salvation. We need the Word of God for salvation. That is the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. Amen? So we need the, the Word of God for salvation. The next thing we need it for, look at 1 Peter uh, chapter number 2 and verse 2. You say, what else do we need it for? 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. We need it for salvation and we need it for growth. If you're a new believer, if you're a new convert, or you're teaching this to someone else, it's important that they realize that they cannot grow without the sincere milk of the Word of God. Amen? You have to know that. So, see, some people, some Christians, and some people get saved, and they get born again by the Word of God. Somebody opens a Bible, and they uh, look down at the Word of God, they read a gospel tract, and they trust the Lord Jesus Christ. They get saved, genuinely. And you say, what happens? Then they never get in their Bible. They never attend church faithfully. Uh, never get under preaching and never grow. And you say, why is that? And, and you say, why do they, what happens to them? Well, they fall out by the way. Uh, maybe somebody didn't do a good job discipling them. And, and you say, what happens? They don't grow. And after five years, ten years, fifteen years, they look, talk, act, go to the same places as the world. And there's no difference. You say, well, I would have never guessed that person was a Christian. You say, why is that? They never grew. They never grew. You plant that seed of the Word of God and that little sapling comes up and that growth begins to happen. But if you don't continue to water that plant and you don't continue to nurture that plant, it won't grow. It'll stay in the state that it's in. It'll just sit there. And uh, that's what we need uh, as Christians. We need to desire the sincere milk of the Word that we may grow thereby. So the Word of God is necessary, according to the Bible, for salvation and spiritual growth. And also look at 2 Timothy, back to your left in your Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And verse number 2. 
Say, what else do you need it for? You need it for salvation, spiritual growth, and you need it for preaching. You need it for preaching. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2. Preach the word. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul giving Timothy the command to preach the word of God if he couldn't hold it in his hand? Amen? How do you know we've got the Bible? Because Paul told Timothy to preach the word. He didn't tell him to preach the original. He didn't tell him to preach the oldest and best manuscripts. He didn't tell him preach um, 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 what people tell you the word of God is. He said, no, preach the word. So it must exist somewhere. You better get your hands on it. You say, what is it, preacher? It's a King James Bible. Amen. The Bible says there, preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. You say, what comes from preaching the word? All of those things. Reproof, rebuke, exhortation, and doctrine. All of those things are found in the Word of God. And if you don't have the Word of God, if you don't have the Bible, you can't grow, you can't get preaching. Uh, the, the, the thing that the Bible says in the last days it's going to take place, look at the next verse, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, which after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." And you say, what, what's going to happen in the last days? Uh, they're not going to be able to withstand. And you say, do you have a Bible? And most people that go to church anymore, they don't even have a Bible. Much less uh, have it preached to them. Amen? It's quite sad. But if you're going to get the Bible preached to you, it needs to be from the Word of God. Amen? It needs to come from the Word of God. So we get salvation, spiritual growth, and preaching is necessary for these things. And so, continuing on, uh, we also get insight. Look at Psalm 19. Like I told you before, just a little trick you learn. You open your Bible right in the middle, usually it'll open right to the book of Psalms, right in the middle. And then you turn uh, from the book of Psalms, then you go to chapter number 19. Psalm chapter number 19. These little tricks of the trade will help you when you're doing Bible study. Psalm chapter 19 and verse number 8. You say, what's the Word of God necessary for, preacher? It's, for, it's necessary for insight. Insight. Psalm 19 and verse 8. The Bible says, The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The, com the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives you insight, gives you sight. Uh, in those eyes. Marked difference when you get saved, Christian, and the Holy Spirit comes an outlook on life. Amen? The Bible says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things. If any man be in Christ, if he is a new creature, old things. Adjustments at all? Or All right. So, Psalm 19. Uh, sorry about that. Psalm 19 and verse 8. The, the, the last part of that is, is the, the commandage. It's not real. 
Um, so we're, we're up to what the Word of God is necessary for. It's necessary for salvation, spiritual growth, preaching, and insight. What I was saying before is the world offers you insight. They even uh, have seminars. They offer it in different religions, and they tell you, uh, come and get, get your third eye unlocked, get these chakras, get all these things going on. And you say they, they offer you those things, but the Bible says they, while they promise you liberty, you say, what does it lead to? The Bible says it leads to bondage, leads to bondage. But with the word of God, Jesus said, if, if uh, the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Amen? And when you get saved and you get a Bible in your hand, you say, what do you get? You get some insight that the world does not have. You get some insight that um, religion does not have. You get insight your family doesn't have. Um, this, this book is the secret weapon, if you will, of Christians. Uh, you want to be successful in business? Read that book. You want to be a successful father and a mother and a husband uh, or a wife? That book will tell you all about it. It'll give you insight. Amen? Uh, the Bible says it contains all things that pertain to life and godliness. But you know what? You won't find it just on the surface. You've got to dig in that book and you've got to search the scriptures. And uh, anything worth, uh, worth its salt, you say, what do you have to do? You have to work for it. You have to dig down there a little bit deeper than just the surface and, uh, and put some work into it. Amen? So the Bible says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Uh, look at Psalm 119. Skip forward 100 chapters. Uh, Psalm 119. I say 100, 110 chapters. Uh, yeah, 100 chapters. 100 and, Psalm 119. It's amazing to me the things that changed uh, and the insight that the Bible brought when I got saved. And uh, some of you that have just been saved recently, you'll notice that those changes start to take place. Uh, Dr. Ruckman said it like this. He said, once you have that book, once you get exposed to the Bible, uh, you'll, you'll never be able to go back. You'll never be able to, once your eyes have been opened and the Word of God and Jesus Christ has set you free, you'll be free indeed, uh, you'll be made free, and you'll be, you'll, you'll be free indeed, and you say, what? you'll never be able to go back and be satisfied with darkness. You'll never be able to go back to where you're walking around in ignorance because the Word of God opens your eyes. Amen? You get some insight from this book. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119, verse 105. The Bible says, Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You say, what were you before? What was happening before? Um, you, you say, what's the word of God? It's a lamp unto my feet right down in front of you and a light to my path. It shines out there in front of you both. If you hold that lamp down there, you can see where you're walking. And, and when, you, um, when you hold it up there, uh, you can see out in front of you where you're going. Amen? And it's, oh, it's right there and it's right out there. The light and the lamp. Amen? Lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. And the Word of God gives you both. It gives you short term and long term. That's what prophecy does. Amen? Uh, we know what's coming. Uh, you know, my, one of my favorite sayings, and I never forgot it, when I heard a preacher say it one time, he said, I read the back of the book and we win. Amen? The devil is eventually defeated. He's thrown into the bottomless pit. He's cast into the lake of fire to burn there forever. And we win. And God, God prevails. Amen? Yeah. 
And that's that. you say, how do you get that, preacher? The Bible says we've got prophecy in that book and tells us about the future. It may look a bit bleak and grim right now, but we know the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. Amen? And we know these things because it's written in the Word of God. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So it gives us a light. You know what the Bible said when you were lost? You were in darkness. You were children of darkness. How about that? How about that? When you were lost, you didn't know which way was up. You thought you did, um, but you didn't, know, you didn't know which way to go. Oh, you, you watched some of your friends or your parents put some advice in, and on a whim you thought, oh, maybe I'll try this out, I'll do this with my life, and I'll go into this trade or I'll go into this profession. And you didn't really have leadership. You were stumbling around in darkness. Your friends didn't know where they were going. The family didn't know where they were. At least mine didn't anyway. And, and you say, how do you know? You ask one of them where they're going when they die, and they, they couldn't tell you. You say, what is that? That's darkness. Ask me today where I'm going when I die. I can tell you straight away. Amen. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I say, where, where are you going, preacher? I'm going to heaven when I die. Why? The Bible tells me so. Amen. The Bible tells me so. And I trust the Word of God, and I trust the Lord Jesus Christ, to whom I've committed my soul. And he's trustworthy, amen? And that's given me insight. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Look at, look at uh, you're at 105, look at 130. Psalm 119, 130. The Bible likens your body to a house, a tabernacle. And uh, you, you say, what, what's, what's in that tabernacle? What's, what's there? It's darkness. You ever drove by a house there and maybe it's out in the bush somewhere and you're driving by in the country and you look there and you say, I wonder if so-and-so's home. And you look in there and, and all the lights are turned out. And, you know, it's a time when they should be there and, and uh, there's, there's no lights on. That's the way it was when you were lost. When somebody goes by there and looks at your lights, the Bible says the light of the body is in the eye. You know what's telling on a lost person or on a saved person? You look in their eyes. You see if there's any light in their eyes. And uh, there's something about it. When you see and meet somebody that's saved, the Spirit of God will bear witness with your spirit that they are the children of God, the Bible says. And you, you look into their eyes and you say, what do you, what do you see in their eyes when they're lost? Darkness. The Bible says, how great is that darkness? And you say, those, those are like windows. And that, that house that you live in, this body is like a tabernacle, uh, Peter says. And, and look what the Bible says there, 130. The entrance, you say, where's it going? It's going in through the windows. It's going into your heart. The entrance goes in. Entrance of thy words giveth light. Amen? It giveth understanding unto the simple. You may not realize it no matter what age you were when you got saved, but you were simple. You were simple. And I know you said you sound like you're insulting us, preacher. I'm insulting myself. I was simple. I didn't know how the world worked. I didn't know what was at work and the bigger things at, at play. Now I do. Now I understand what's going on in the world because the Bible tells me that. The entrance, the Word of God came in my tabernacle, came in my house, and once where those lights were turned out, God illuminated, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Amen? God turned the lights on and dispelled and cast out that darkness in me. Praise be to God. And I know He's done the same for many of you. So we know that the Word of God is necessary for salvation, spiritual growth, preaching, and insight. Insight. 
you say, what else do you need the Word of God for? You need the Word of God, and it's necessary for victory over sin. Victory over sin. You're in Psalm 119. Look at Psalm 119 and verse number 9. Psalm 119 and verse 9. The Bible says in Psalm 119 and verse 9, back in the same chapter, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Now some of you are younger in the Lord, you don't understand uh, this principle. When it says a young man there, that could be addressing a young lady as well. It, it applies to a young person, amen? A young lady or a young man. And so you say, some people say, well I can, I can get out of that because I'm a lady. No, it, it applies to you too, amen? Uh, the Bible says in verse 9, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Question mark. By taking heed thereto according to thy word. You say, what is the word of God good for, necessary for? It's necessary for you to gain victory over sin. When you get saved, um, sometimes all the sin, well, not uh, all the time... Um, so I'll say this, some people's testimony is when they got, sin, they got saved, the sin in their life, the major sins in their life, they quit them all. They stopped smoking, cussing, drinking, um, they stopped, you know, on down the list, laundry list of sins. And they said, man, God changed me like that, and all of that stuff went away. Well, I wish that was the case for every Christian. The Apostle Paul uh, testified and said, even after 25 years of being saved in Romans chapter 7... Uh, he still struggled with the old man and still struggled with sin. Amen? And uh, sometimes you don't get victory over those besetting sins and those sins when you first get saved. If you like some of those things when you're lost, you're probably going to like them when you get saved. And you say, what do you have to do? You have to die daily, the Apostle Paul said, and you have to learn to get victory over it. And you say, how do I get victory, preacher? How do I get help with these sins? How do I get past it? Um, I have to say to you, consistency consistency, and taking heed to the Word of God. You know what? You go out uh, to drive on that highway, you better take heed to some things. You better take heed when you drive to the shops. You say, what do you mean? You better take heed the, to give way at that roundabout. You better get, take heed when that stop sign's there. You say, what is that? That stop sign is there to tell you you better come to a complete stop and look left, look right, make sure you've got the right of way and you're not going to pull out into traffic. Why? Otherwise, there's going to be consequences and you're going to cause an accident and may cost you your life or limb or whatever. Amen? And so the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? When you get saved, God doesn't want you to go further into sin. You say, why? Sin kills. James chapter 1 says, And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now, Lord, listen, the Lord is very merciful, very gracious with us, with our sin. But He doesn't want you to continue in sin that grace may abound and say, I'm saved, I can get away with it. Try that out there in public. Say, I'm an Australian citizen. I'm going to go out there and, and I'm going to speed through that stop sign and see what happens. You say, oh, you'll get away. I, you might get away with it once or twice or ten times, but if you do that on a regular basis, you're going to cause an accident and it's going to, you're going to get hurt. And it may one day may kill you or kill somebody else. Sin kills. Amen? Sin, when it is finished in James chapter 1, says, bringeth forth death. And so the Bible says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed. 
taking heed, looking at those signs. You say, what is that? That's God's stop sign. Amen, young uh, Christian? Say, what is that? That's God's stop sign saying, stop. Don't go any further in that sin. Don't, don't look that way. Make a covenant with your eyes. Uh, get, out of, get sin out of your house and out of reach so that you won't be tempted by it all the time. The old preacher said, you got a problem with cigarettes, you ought not put them in your pocket and have them there. So you are. And if, the, if, if the, the flesh beats you up and wants one, you've got to go out of your way and go to the shops and purchase it and go through all of the, that and give God a, time, a chance to convict your heart and so you can turn back and get victory over that. Amen? Just for cigarettes, maybe it's alcohol. Uh, you got, you got that problem with alcohol, you ought not keep that, that bottle of wine there in the pantry. You ought not keep, that, uh, uh, keep them chilling there and keep them in your fridge. You say, I don't have a problem with that. You might not right now. You might not right now. But let tragedy strike. Let depression strike. And you say, what happens? You'll go after that stuff. The Bible says about sin that it's like a serpent. That, that alcohol is like a serpent. At, li- at last, it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. That's what the Bible said it was like an unto. And uh, you say, I don't like the way you're talking. You better take heed to those things. Um, people forget, and they, they, they sort of get used to sin. <laughs> and they forget the, their nature. You say, what do you mean, preacher? And uh, th- they were hiking along up the, up the mountain. And they got up in the mountain, as, and as you know, as the elevation increases as they walk up the mountain there, they, saw, they looked down, and they saw a little, little snake there uh, laying there, a little serpent laying there on a rock. And he had gone up uh, that mountain. blooded creature gets in the cold. Well, they start moving slower. And uh, this particular snake was able to talk, and uh, this young lady that was there having a conversation with says, Poor little snake, looks like you got into some trouble. And uh, the snake said, yes, I have. I've got here where it's cold, and I just need to get back to where it's warm again so I can move. I know snakes in the media have got a bad rap and, uh, you know, National Geographic and all that, and I'm I'm not one of those bad kinds. I'm just, you know, a good old snake, and I'm a good, uh, I want just to get down to where it's warm. And, And the lady there, the young lady said, well, you know, this snake looks like he's fed income and he's honest and, and he's going to be, uh, you know, snake of his word here and he won't, he won't harm me. And you say, what happened? Well, she loaded him up in the backpack and, and zipped him up and went on her, continued on her hike and come down on the other side where it began to get warmer and warmer and warmer. And she said, oh, now would be a good time. I'll let the snake out of the backpack and set him down there on the side and he can, uh, he can, he can just slither off and... He's just a good little snake, you know. And so she goes to get her backpack, and she opens that backpack up, and out comes the snake, fully coiled, and, and comes out and strikes and bites her. And, of course, she slaps her neck and fights him away and says, Why did you do that? Why did you bite me? That's the way sin is. The Bible says, At last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. You've, you play with sin, and sin will bite you in the end. Because it's in the nature of sin. You can't play with it. Amen? Sin is not something to be toyed with and played with. She knew the nature of that snake. She knew what she was playing with. Yet, you say, what happened? She got bit in the end. Killed her. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Uh, look over there. Leave it alone. Don't have any compassion for it. Amen? 
pardon us, we're working on this uh, internet issue. We're going to try a different route to see if we can get it up and going. We'll continue on as, as the Lord will let us here. Uh, so we got victory over sin. Um, the next one we will look at is John chapter 15 in the New Testament, verse 1. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse 1. Uh, the Bible says that the Word of God is necessary for bearing fruit. It's necessary for bearing fruit. Look at John chapter 15 and verse 1. Jesus said here in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that they may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. And uh, you say, what, what verse 3? Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. And so we need the word of God to bear fruit. Uh, you say, what's that fruit? Look over at um, Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Uh, a lot of Christians are content and satisfied with, with just getting saved and not doing anything else for the Lord, um, even in their personal life and, and going to church or doing anything like that. And you say, that's not God's plan for your life. And, and uh, we'll see that here, Galatians chapter 5. And verse number 13, we can start reading. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Liberty. Now, the Lord's given you liberty. You're saved. You're His son. You're His daughter. Amen? You belong to Him. Uh, you're adopted. We've talked about that before. You're adopted into the family of God. And uh, you say, what happens? Nothing you could ever do or say will separate you from the love of Christ, the love of God in Christ Jesus, your bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh, according to Ephesians chapter 5. And you are part of him and he's part of you. Amen? Now, you say, what do you, that gives you liberty. That gives you liberty. Now, the Bible says, this is what you do with that liberty. Now, you can take your liberty in Jesus Christ and your salvation and not do anything the rest of your life. God forbid. Like Paul says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid you would do that. But you could. And some Christians do that. Some saved people do that. And I'm along with the Apostle Paul and with God where it says, God forbid. Now look what it says. Verse 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty only. Here's the stipulation on that though. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Amen? For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You want to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life as a Christian? You love your neighbor as yourself. Amen? That's one of the, that's the, one of the fruits there of the Spirit. Verse 15, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, continuing on down, verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. See? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love, joy, peace. This is the fruit. See it there in verse 22? Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, 
temperance. Against such there is no law. So how do you get those? Look at the next verse. And they that are Christ, you belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. See, what is that? That's where you put that old man down. You put that flesh down and the fruit of the Spirit comes out in your life. It helps you to bear fruit. The Word of God, uh, you can't bear fruit apart from the living Word of God, Jesus Christ, and the written Word of God. He said, you're clean through the words that I've spoken unto you. Amen? The Word of God. It's necessary for those things. Okay, so our church stands uh, on, the, on these facts mentioned. Amen? And believe we believe that God has kept His promise to preserve His Word today. Now today, the preserved Word of God in the English language is the King James Bible. We teach this and believe this without apology. Amen? Based on a scriptural history of the Word of God. And faith in the promise of God. If I had nothing else, if I had no manuscript evidence, if I had nothing else, you say, what do you believe that that Bible, that King James Bible is? I believe it by faith. Amen? I believe it by faith. You say, what? Faith in man? Faith in uh, the unknown, no, faith that God said he would preserve his word in Psalm 12, 6, and 7, and he has done that for us today. Amen. My confidence is not in man. My faith is not in man. My faith is in God's word, and he said he was going to preserve his word. And, I, and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I believe God by faith. Just like I believe in Jesus Christ and salvation and the gospel. So how do you believe in those things? By faith. Amen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so we teach this without apology. And you say, boy, you're, you're arrogant, you're proud. No, we want people to know all over this country... Uh, all over the world, we want the people to know. You say, we want them to know what? We want them to know that God has preserved His Word and that it's perfect and trustworthy. Amen? Listen, why would you trust your soul to, to a book that's not perfect, to a Savior that's not perfect? Amen? Does that make much sense? doesn't make any sense to me. I want something that's trustworthy. I want something that's pure, that's preserved, that's right. We don't apologize to that. And some people say, well, this person and that person's King James. Uh, yes, uh, they say they are. And we put it in our, uh, we put it in our uh, statement of faith that we're not like other churches that claim from their writings and from the pulpit and things. They'll get around and they'll stomp around. We're King James and people go rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And then you get them behind closed doors and you corner them and you talk to them and you say, what's your final authority? It's not the King James Bible. Say, why do they wave it around? Why do they put it in their institutions? And why do they elevate it? Because that's how they make a living. That's how they bring in converts from other churches that do believe the King James Bible. And they deceive the hearts of the simple. And we don't tolerate it and we don't stand for it in our church. You say, that's hard, preacher. No, it's not. This is what we do without apology. It's not hard. I don't want to go to a place that tells me one thing on the surface and then I get behind closed doors and they're lying to my face. 
When they tell me, oh, but, but you don't understand, this is for the people that don't know uh, quote-unquote Greek and they don't know Hebrew, and we're just helping them out by simplifying it for the dummies. You say, do they do that? Every single day. So how do they look themselves in the mirror? I don't know. I don't know. And you say, what's their final authority? Um, they will tell you that it's the Texas Receptus. And you say, well, that's good. Is it? Is it? If God said he was going to preserve his word, and we, we've got the evidence that the King James Bible is the word of God, that's no longer the preserved and inspired and, and word of God. It's no longer there. It's right in that book. And so you can't have two final authorities. You say, why? One, they contradict each other. They contradict each other. And I know we're getting into some heavy stuff, but bear with me. What I'm trying to tell you is we believe this King James Bible is the Word of God because we have faith that He said He'd preserve it, and we believe Him by faith. Amen? And we're not like other churches. You say, well, we don't, we don't want to be found at the judgment standing before God one day saying, um, you know, well, we just did that for the dummies, the ones that didn't understand. No. We want, we, we've got the Word of God. Amen? We've got it in our hands. We preach the Word of God. Uh, you know, if they stand up there and say, um, you know, you, you get, I, I just got on a website the other day for a church, and I was looking for somebody else, and it says, we believe the Bible, but they never tell you which one. That's a red flag. Say, why? You can say, the Bible, what does that mean? Tell me what you mean. Oh, we believe the Bible. Yeah, what do you mean? You see? That could mean the Alexandrian corrupt text. That could mean the Texas Receptus. That could mean possibly the King James. That could mean the New King James. The, that could mean the ASV, the, the NIV. You say, why? It's semantics. They're going to tell you, I, we believe the Bible. And we go to a Bible-believing church. Ah, no, you don't. You get there, and they got everything in that church running around uh, teaching uh, all these contradictions. Uh, you better watch them. They're sneaky. They're sneaky. And so this is a truth worth remembering. Amen? We'll mention here a truth worth remembering. Most all new versions of the Bible claim, and you read the, the front and the dedicatory in the front of these new perversions, and they claim to be written for the purpose of updating the King James Bible. They say the King James Bible is archaic and too hard to understand. And you say, what, what? they're wrong. They're wrong. Uh, because of this false premise, there are now over 300 English translations uh, of the Bible. Uh, over 300. And, uh, and you should know that they do not simply update the King James Bible. And that's been proven over and over and over again. Uh, they add words... They take away words, and they even omit entire verses. And you say, well, that, that, uh, that sounds pretty dodgy. That sounds pretty bad. Yes, it is. And you want to see what God says about that? Look over at Deuteronomy. Say, why is this so important, preacher? Why are you harping on this? It's important that you, now that you're saved that you get a hold of this book and you get a hold of this Bible and don't let anybody take it out of your hands or deceive you other, and, and show you otherwise. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy Chapter 4, and verse number 2. You study about those King James translators and, and, and how we got this book, and you'll see an, a bunch of honest individuals that put this book together in the fear of the Lord. 
in the fear of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 4. NIV is, you say, I like the NIV, it's easy to understand. In the NIV, up until about 2011, until they updated it again, and you see what they do is, uh, you know what's a blessing? The King James Bible was translated in 1611, and it stood the test of time. But you know what they do, those, those uh, uh, sneaky little fellows in there? You say, what do they do? They put, they put new editions out. They don't change it. They say, oh, this is the NIV, and this is this next edition, 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 edition. And you say, what did they go in there and do? In the original NIV from, from uh, whenever that thing was put out up until 2011, David didn't kill Goliath in the NIV. Until they, they got wise to it and started and they folded under the heat, then they put it back in there. Yeah. But they didn't tell anybody about it. Sneaky, sneaky. They did that about 10 years ago. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 2. The Bible says here, Ye shall not add... Unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you. Don't take away, don't add to the word of God. Isn't that, shouldn't that be simple? So yet, the NIV um, altered and changed 60,000 words. Whoops. Not just 10, 20, 30, 60,000. Something's wrong. Amen? Something's wrong. Uh, look at uh, Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs chapter 30. And verse number 6. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 6. Add thou not unto his words, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Don't add to God's words. Look at Revelation chapter number 22. You say, why is this important? It's important that you know from the very onset of getting saved and that you've got a perfect Bible that God's put in your hands. Amen. And you don't take away from it. You don't add to it. And when somebody comes along and tries to deceive you and put something in your hand that's not a King James Bible, you say, at least you'll have some ammunition to fight with. Amen. Revelation 22 and verse number 18. The Bible says, For I testify unto every man. You go to the very last page in your Bible there in the text. For I testify, verse 18, unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. You say, does God take it serious, his word being pure, preserved, uh, God takes it serious. You better not mess with His words. And you know what people are going to tell you? You go to these false churches and they'll tell you, oh, that's just a hobby horse and that's not important. Ah, you say, what do they do then? They reveal themselves. And you say, what do they reveal? They reveal themselves to be in line with the devil because the devil said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1, Yea, hath God said? They make you question they're the spirit of the devil questioning God's words. Saying, oh, that's not important. The devil said, oh, Eve, don't worry about that. That's not important. It is important. 
It is important. Amen? These things are, these perversions are used as a tool of Satan to bring about a famine for the Word of God. Look at Amos in your Bible. Amos chapter number 8. Amos, that's in your minor prophets right before Matthew. If you start turning to your left from Matthew, you'll, you'll hit Amos chapter number 8. So they tell you it's to update the King James. And uh, Lawrence M. Vance wrote a book of about 100 pages or so. And, and uh, this is going back probably 15 years ago when he published this book. And, uh, he, he, and I can't remember the name of the book. Um, Archaic Words in the King James Bible, I think it's called. And uh, there's about 200 of them. And he took those, he took those archaic, the so-called, and we say archaic because that's the terminology they use, and say, oh, th- these are words are archaic, and they're out of date, and people don't understand them. Let me ask you something. When you went to university, when you went and studied medicine, when you went to study to be a tradie or whatever else uh, kind of field you went into, did you, bring their, uh, did you bring their studies down to your level of ignorance? Did you say, oh, this book is written and this medical terms are too... Too hard for me to understand. Let's dumb it down to my level of ignorance and let's don't call it an appendectomy. Let's, let's call it um, something else. Let's dumb it down. Let's say, well, we're going to cut your stomach open with a knife and we're going to remove this. No, you don't dumb down things to your level of ignorance. Right? You don't do it in the world. Yet, that's what they tell you you need to do when it comes to the Bible. Hypocrites. Yeah, Hypocrites. You say, when you go to medical school, when you get any kind of training, they give you the lingo, they give you the training, and you bring yourself up to its level of excellence, you don't drag it down to your level of ignorance. Same thing goes for the Word of God. Lawrence Vance took and he quoted up beyond the year 2000, all of those so-called 200 archaic words, he quoted them above the year 2000, words like let... Um, and they use it still at the Australian Open, the American Open. See, what happens? They throw that ball in the air, and they hit it down, and that ball goes into the net, and you, 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 people think they're saying net. They're not saying net. They're saying let. It means it's hindered. That's King James Bible. Why don't they throw that out? Hypocrites. You say in the Bible, there's words, there's, there's, uh, um, words in the Bible that are... Uh, like a like a lawyer's document, like a, a reading that you'll read in there, where laws are put together. Whereas, uh, there heretofore, there to there therefore, and those big words, and they're still used in legal documents up be, be, uh, beyond the year two thousand. Yet they want to tell you it's archaic. So he went through there in his book and he showed all the places where they were used beyond the year two thousand in modern publications. How about that? So this book's not out of date. Amen. We come up to its level of excellence. Don't dumb it down to your level of ignorance. Amen. Now Amos chapter number 8 and verse number 11. The Bible says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not for a famine of bread or of thirst, not, not, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. You know what you have in this country today and countries all over the world? You have a famine for, what, what is it? Right there. I believe that this Bible I'm holding in my hands the very words of the living God. And you know what? You go to all these so-called churches and meeting houses around the country and you scarcely can find a King James Bible that men are preaching out of. 
There's a famine. Say why? The devil's having his way. They're perverting and corrupting uh, and, and going through there, and it's perverted. Jeremiah said it, not me. Take it up with him. He said, you perverted the words of the living God. Amen? And that's a tool of Satan to bring about famine uh, for the word of God. And much of the time, the real purpose for the translations is to make money, which we talked about before. The King James Version of the Bible is the only Bible that is not copyrighted. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. The Bible says in one place, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Say, so why are you pounding this into our heads, preacher? This is a basic Bible study. Yes, this is of utmost importance, though, that you get this, that you understand it, that you don't forsake that King James Bible. Get one if you don't have one. If you don't have one, write or contact the church, and we'll get you one. You can go on our website, then openbible.com.au, and we'll send you one free of charge. How about that? How about that? Take me up on it. I don't have a Bible. Write it right in and we'll get you one. Amen? We'll send you one. Um, there's, there's no need to be without one. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 9. Look what the Bible says. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. See, what happens with, that, with those new perversions? They copyright them. They, you're not allowed to copy. Go copy a page out of the NIV and see if you don't get a letter from their legal department saying take it down or delete it or we're going to sue, the, sue the, you for everything you own. Go for it. Try me out. You try to publish a book with some of their stuff in it. You say, what will happen? It's copyrighted. It's all about that money. It's all about the bottom line. They don't sell those. They don't put those things out to be a blessing to the church. Say, what do they put them out for? They put them out for money. They put them out for money. The other translations are copyrighted, and therefore the translator's main interest in something other than spreading the, the Word of God. Look at Philippians. Look at Philippians. The Bible says, for the love of money. You say, so what does that do, um, preacher? What does that do when they're trying to put a translation out uh, for money? Well, you say, what happens? They've got bosses. They put something in there that the boss doesn't like. They have to take it out. You say, why? Because the bottom line is all that matters when they put those things out. It's not to, to see the Word of God helped and strengthened and translated for, for that. They give you that, that line at the first, but it's the bottom line. And if it's going to offend this one or offend that one, they'll take the words out. You say, how do you know? The NIV committee. The Old Testament translator, New Testament translator, sodomites. Sodomite on the board of the Old Testament, sodomite on the board of the New Testament. And guess what you can't find in an NIV? You can't find the word sodomite. Whoops. Looks like that's a little too hard for them. Wouldn't make them that much money. Ah, you know what the Word of God is? You know what Jesus Christ is? It's offensive. It's offensive. It'll offend you. Amen? Jesus Christ is called the rock of offense. But the Bible says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Amen? 
Now, take your Bible and look at Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 19. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 19. The Bible says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. Amen? You say, what's their interest? Their God is their belly. The glory is their shame. Uh, you say, what do they do it for? They do it for their own reasons. They don't do it because for God's glory. They do it for their own belly. Look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 10. Turn to your right in your Bible, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse 10. So their main interest, those translators' main interest is something other than spreading the Word of God. You know what a lot of those guys do it for? They do it for the accolades. They do it for the fame that comes with it. They say, look, look what I've got under my belt. Look what I can say. I was the translator on this committee of this perversion. Uh, and I was, I was the Greek and I was the Hebrew scholar there. And, and I really brought forth the true meaning of the Word of God. Yeah, right. You wanted your name and lights, buddy, old boy. You wanted to show off what you knew and your knowledge. You didn't want to promote the Word of God. Look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 10. And you say, what, what happens when you touch the Word of God and pervert the Word of God? It produces heretics. It produces heretics. A heretic is someone that doesn't believe the truth. And the Bible says over there a heretic uh, is someone that makes others shipwrecked. And it, it messes up their faith. And the, the, the Apostle Paul said Hymenaeus and Alexander were heretics. You say, what they do? They say the resurrection is past already. You get these fellows out here that are taking false perversions of the Bible, just like the New World Translation put out by the Jehovah's Witnesses. And you say, what do they do? They destroy the deity of Christ. They add to and take away the Word of God and destroy the deity of Christ. And it just so happens to match their false doctrine. Oh, how about that? Whoops. How about that? They change, they change John chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the King James Bible, they just add one letter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Lowercase God, small God. They make Jesus Christ inferior, and He's not part of the Trinity. Mm. They take out 1 John 5, 7, just like, just like the NIV takes it out. Whoops. Destroy the Trinity. Mm. See, what's leading them? They're heretics. Look what the Bible says in verse 10. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. You pick up one of those perversions and they're, they're giving you false doctrine and they're changing around. You say, what are you supposed to do with it? Reject it. Look at verse 11. Knowing... That he that is such is subverted. Sounds like perverted, doesn't it? Subverted um, and sinneth, be, being condemned of himself. God already showed them through the Holy Spirit that they were condemned, that they were wrong for doing what they did. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. They preferred the, the glory of men over the praise of God and the praise of men over the praise of God. Amen. All right, so 
The lesson tonight has been on Bible believing. Now, we covered that in two different parts. Um, we'll give you some questions here, and then we'll be finished for tonight. Some questions, a little pop quiz here at the end. Name one reason the Bible was written according to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. Name one reason. One reason. So you can turn there or you can think about it. One reason that the Bible was written according to 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13. There's two of them in there. But it will take one. See, what is it? Well, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. So it gives you eternal security. It lets you know that you have eternal life. See, what else does it do? And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God helps you to believe. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God helps you to believe on the Son of God. You say, what happened? I fell under conviction and got saved because somebody presented the Word of God to me. And I came face to face with the living Word of God, and it convicted my heart through the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the Bible says there, that, that, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. There's no power in those other uh, perversions out there. When they preach them, there's no power in it. The Holy Spirit doesn't bear witness to it. Uh, look, at, uh, let's, uh, look at the next thing here. Has God, question for you, has God preserved a perfect Bible? Has God preserved a perfect Bible? Yes or no? Amen. You say yes or no? Yes. According to Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Yes, he has. The third thing. What is the perfect preserved Bible in the English language? What, what is it? Where do we find that? What's, what is it in the English language? Now, this isn't a trick question. Amen. So what is it? It's the King James Bible. Amen. All right, can you give me two references that teach us not to add or take away from the Bible? Can you give two references? Two references. Listen, if you don't know these, rewind this video and go back to it. Write them down in the flyleaf of your Bible. They will come up and you'll need them. You'll need them one day. And you'll be wise to write them down. Because somebody's going to try you out and they're going to test you. And you need to know them. So what's your two references that teach us not to add or take away from the Bible? How about, how about Proverbs chapter 30? Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 and 6. That's one. Amen. How about um, Deuteronomy chapter 4? Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. Revelation 22. That's always the easiest one. You can always go to the very last uh, page in your Bible. And Revelation 22, verse 18 and 19. That's an, always an easy one. Go to. Amen. All right. Can you give me one reference? Number five. Name one reference where God promised to preserve His Word. Give me one reference where God promised to preserve His Word. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Amen. That's the reference. Number 6. Is the King James Bible copyrighted? Is it copyrighted? Is it copyrighted? Can you take it and, and copy it, put it in a book? Can you publish it? You sure can. Amen. 
Uh, you, you can do that. So the text of the King James Bible is not copyrighted. The King James Bible, the text of the King James Bible is not copyrighted. Now you will find uh, in, in um, study Bibles and where they put their notes in, in the, the note study Bibles, they will copyright those. But they're copyrighting the notes so that they can't be tampered with. That's a, that's a copyright. If you're going to copy, you must do it right. And um, <clears throat> so, like a, like a um, Schofield reference Bible, for, for example, um, somebody couldn't go in there and change the notes on a Schofield reference Bible and call it a Schofield reference Bible uh, and pervert that and put it out with, with false, falsehood in it. And so the copyright just keeps the text that was by the author intact. But the text of the King James Bible inside of that is not copyrighted. That's why Schofield and others were able to lay over and put their notes in there, and it's not copyrighted. And, uh, amen. And I'll ask you this, number seven, what reference tells us that the Word of God is not copyrighted? What reference in the Bible tells us that the Word of God is not copyrighted? Do you remember that one? 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 9, the Word of God is not bound. Number eight, what is the real purpose behind so many different translations? What is the real purpose? What's the real purpose? There you, that, you say, what's the answer to that? That, that? The real purpose is that it's a tool of Satan. It's a tool of Satan. It's a tool of Satan. To bring about a famine of the Word of God. It's a tool of Satan. And so if you get the chance, um, the, the last thing here, number, eight, number nine, not, uh, not really a, um, a question, but an admonition and an encouragement. Memorize, write it down on the card, memorize Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. I promise you, you will need it for the rest of your Christian life. You will need it uh, and memorize it. One of, that was one of the first passages in the Bible I remember studying and memorizing. You'll never, you'll never forget it if you put it in that, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. And that's what you want to do. And that is uh, Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. Amen. All right. Thank you for joining us tonight. I bid you Godspeed. Let's dismiss now with a word of prayer. All right. Let's pray.